This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in. It is Kenny and Heilprin from a, a windy Madison, Wisconsin. Ben Kenny. Zach Heilprin is back in the chair. What's up, sir? How you doing? I'm wonderful. This isn't important. I was on a run earlier today, and it was so windy. Congrats on the, on the going workout. To, thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's a flex. But it was so windy that I was having trouble moving forward. So that's that's where I'm at today. But it's been a, it's been a good day. There are some headlines that are irritating me that we're going to get to later in the show uh, regarding the playoff and playoff expansion. Surprise, surprise. But uh, Thursday, so you were up in Green Bay for the NFL draft. Thursday wrapped up Wisconsin spring practice. We were on Thursday night. We reacted to the day and then some more discussion about Hunter Wohler and about the portal and the cornerback room. But that was more of a look at since the launch, what practice has looked like, how did the Badgers, how did they bounce back and maybe show that the launch was just a, a one-off. It was a big special team show, which was incredible. Uh, and that podcast is up. I wanted to go more big picture today as we look ahead to the rest of the summer with the portal window now closed, but still some trickling in happening uh, and the roster getting finalized. All of the, the true freshmen are, are going to be coming in during the summer. But big picture in regards to the spring. So we, we entered the spring with many questions, a, a long list of them that, frankly, was quite challenging to get all the way through. You could talk about every position and say, oh, I have a question about that. What does this guy look like? How does it, how does it work in the new system on offense and on uh, defense? I think a lot of those were obviously answered when it comes to what does X player look like on the field, like Mordecai, C.J. Williams, what does practice look like under long go? What's the vibe under fickle? That part is all clear. When we talk about exiting spring, and this is where I want to start today, right, big questions coming out of the spring as we go to the summer. I, I've written four down. I, I wanted to start with you. What what comes to the top of the mind as to what needs to be answered? Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not answered yet, but, but what's on your mind? Cornerback depth is probably at the top of my list because it's clear that they think they need to add. We've seen them. We've seen the quarterbacks leave, right? But we've also seen them offer it seemingly three or four guys. And it feels like as soon as they, a, a guy will commit, they'll offer somebody else. So they obviously have a need uh, for depth at cornerback. I think that is obvious. It's not just the fact that um, those guys left. I don't think there's anything to do with it. I think that was kind of them saying, <laughs> I think the, them offering guys during spring was kind of a message to, to those guys saying, yeah, we don't think you're it. They like Jonas DeClona. They like Jace Arnold. They like Amari Snowden. They like A.J. Tisdale that they're going to be bringing in. But they need some experience depth behind Ricardo Holman and Jason Matry and Ricardo, um, and uh, Alexander Smith. They do. That's a, huge, that's a huge question that they need to answer, and it's clear that they, they feel that same way. Well, that was a topic from Thursday. The, the, yeah. the room is just being rebuilt. Yeah. And it started the minute Fickle was hired because several of the commits that they landed in the in the class of 2023, and two of them are DeClone and Arnold, and one of them is Amar Snowden, and uh, Braden Moore, I, he's a safety, right? Yeah. Yeah. But secondary in general. Like Tis That was a clear focus from the start. Yeah, and A.J. Tisdale as right. well. 
uh, out, of, out of Texas. It was clear that they felt they needed to do something, so that's what they did. So that's my that's probably at the top of my list. Punter. Yeah, yeah, that's. I feel like that's, that's at the top of my list. I'll let you, I'll let you take care of that one. Um, I this little stat from from Jesse Temple because we did we ran through our our depth chart today on on the camp. There were eleven punters that had scholarships last year in the portal as of whenever he released his thing, which was like yesterday or the day before. Did did you go to the second level and see where they're from? No. So well, that's unfortunate. Yes, but I feel like that's something you're going to take care of. So I'm not going to – I won't hit on that. <laughs> I think the other thing is the offensive line. Who are your top five? We we think we think that Jake Renfro is going to be the center, but I, I didn't think he was overly impressive in the very small amount of time that we got to see him. Some of that, I think, is working off the rust. Some of it may be reacclimating to, to football, and, you know, and maybe some of it is stepping up a level. Uh, but he was an all-conference center – at Cincinnati, I they didn't bring him here to sit. So I feel like he probably is your center. What do you do at guard with Tanner Bordellini, with Joe Huber, with Michael Furtney? Because I think the other two spots are probably set with Joe, uh, with um, Jack Nelson and Riley Mallman. But the guard spots is very – and I still think somehow, some way, um, Michael Furtney's not one of the starting centers, even though he worked there throughout the spring. Throughout the spring, I just – I don't know. And in reality – Seven or eight guys are going to play. They've said that. So that would be another big question for me. And wide receiver. Not so much who it's going to be, but how does it all fit together? Because there are so many talented players there that are all kind of right on the same level as each other. How does that all come together and how do they work together to make it the best possible offense? Specifically, how does... um green figure in because we think it's that we think there's top six right and he's a part of that top six can somebody from outside of that top six jump in and and take snaps because we know that they want to play six so those are some of the the questions that that stand out for me i saw a list of uh, badgers that could be future nfl guys in honor of the draft going on Mm -hmm. and we had spoken that that nelson was the guy that jack nelson the one guy that stuck out when you first look at the roster bryson green was on the list and not to say I disagree with it, I just I read it and I remembered he was on the team because his name obviously he didn't practice all spring. I I think what you hit on, there are many bigger themes that encapture a lot of that stuff. And, and I'll get to the punter piece in a second. There's a kid from Pittsburgh that I'm in on <laughs> that that has recently uh, entered the portal and and corners in the portal. Obviously, the actions tell you enough. They had uh they had the kid from Rhode Island in. Last Thursday, uh, and we'll see if if they get a commitment from from him or who ends up coming. But a larger theme that I think fits into that is what will the injured transfers bring? That was a big question I had because many of the transfers were out there, whether it's Mordecai or Braden Locke or Nick Evers or the wide receivers minus Bryson Green. But I wanted to to hit on both Green and Darian Varner, where there are guys on both sides of the ball that figure to play pretty significant roles on the team and they just didn't practice all spring. So we don't know what they're going to bring. I I'm going to harp on depth along the defensive line, probably as we, as we get closer to the season, because it's a position you want a lot of it, whether it's keeping guys fresh, but it's also a a position where you don't want an injury to kill you there. And if you're going to play the defense, Wisconsin plays, you got to be deep up front. So Varner needs to play a big role in that. 
the injured transfers, and then Renfro I threw in there as well as he was banged up during spring. And, and yes, uh, figures to be the starting center. But big questions while, uh, okay, what we saw during the spring is not going to be the story about Mordecai or, or even Evers and Locke, where throughout their careers, things change, you get better, you progress. But with the guys we haven't even seen play, that's a really big question I have as, as we go towards the season. And uh, in regards to Renfro, if you want to talk offense as a whole, and maybe this is looking at the launch and using it like that was the one time I saw the team out there. And yes, it is not what all spring was like, and it's not what the season's going to look like, I hope. But how long do the growing pains last on offense? Well, I think it's interesting to, to ask that question because I was reading Jesse Temple's exit interview with Marshall Howe, and he said straight up, there are going to be growing pains. But they think, he obviously thinks the ceiling's extremely high because there's so many different things that the offense can do. But if there's guys within that room that think there are, are growing, going to be growing, pain, growing pains, obviously it's, that's something we should be thinking of too. Oh, that, I mean, that Saturday was a very large growing pain. Right, but how much more is there to it? And, right. And does it last into the season? Um, and how far does it last into the season? Because you don't want to be that lasting until late September when you're going into to, uh, West Lafayette on a Friday night for the Big Ten opener. Are you still going through growing pains at that at that point? You probably are. You just have to minimize it as much as possible. That's what, that's what the out-of-conference games are for, right? first and foremost, you would hope, to get some of that stuff ironed out in sure. games that don't matter directly to your standing in the Big Ten and in hopes of winning the Big Ten. Of course, but, but I think we also have to realize how big of a freaking change this is. Right, right. right. I'm, I'm looking at, like, take away Mordecai, take away the, the receivers and how the passing offense looks when, when the ball is thrown. The offensive line, and, and this is something you've talked about a lot, and it was really evident during the launch, as you get later in games, what's the conditioning like? Are there bad snaps as we get to the third and fourth quarter because you've already run 70 plays? That might be my biggest question when it comes to the growing pains. It's how long does it take for the offensive line to 100% acclimate to what's going on? Because that's where it starts. Yeah, if you want to get down to the minuscule things, even though it's that's obviously a huge thing, getting the ball to your quarterback yeah. on a consistent basis. <laughs> but like it's it's a small thing that nobody thinks about. It's a snap. How hard is that? But we saw during the spring, it ain't as easy as it's supposed to be, but it should be like clockwork. And I think it will be eventually, but you're right. Getting later in the games, maybe not. And then also, um, and does the clap, snap thing get the other defense working as, as much as it did Wisconsin's defense? And does Wisconsin's defense maybe uh, adjust a little bit there? Very minuscule things that are, turn into rather big if you – end up uh, losing a fumble on a snap or giving up a big play because they're able to take a free shot. Oh, that's what, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. Like when I think about how the offense is going to work, because like, okay, if Mordecai is throwing picks and I, and the passing game isn't working and the unit isn't productive, then they're not, there aren't that many snaps where they're on the field, the defense on the field the whole time, which is another problem which it, it all comes back to that. See, so I, the, the conditioning thing wouldn't be a big issue if you're turning the ball over all the time while that is a <laughs> massive issue, right? right? But when it starts to work, when it starts to click and there is some success, is it a full game, four quarters, it's all clean? 
or do we see a theme as time goes along of late in the game, it starts to get sloppy, whether it's guards pulling slower, whether it's the snaps, like do we see the opposing defensive lineman get a beat on what Wisconsin's doing and be able to just be faster than, than the opponent? Yeah. and And that's where I think playing multiple guys comes into it, right? Where they're going to be able to play seven or eight guys, so that maybe you're not. Who is the attack? Uh, this was Bicknell talking about. I think it was at Ole Miss where they were playing. Like there's a guy who was an NFL type of player, and they would bring him off the field for like a series and let some backup go in there and play because he would be better for it down the road. Like it'd be he'd be good to go and and better can that's better positioned to right. be. Good that's to go such at a weird thing to need to do. It's it, like we it is, but it's also the it's also something that we here have never had to deal with and never heard about before because you're not snapping the ball every time before thir- the thirty seconds before it hits thirty seconds on the sh- on the uh, play clock, or you know trying to run eighty plays a game. That's not something Wisconsin is uh, and and us are conditioned to think about. So it's something done in the past, and I think it's something we'll see uh, we'll see this year. In general, from the spring, I mean, I, I come away feeling not not better than I felt entering because I felt great just about the whole offseason, but a, a lot of clarity that, okay, this offense has sky-high potential. And and we've seen, or those there at practice have seen flashes for Mordecai, extended flashes, and, and really good play and consistent play there. We know the running back room is going to be really, really strong. And then while the wide receiver room is a question, it's a good question because they have way too much talent even to get it all on the field at the same time. So coming away, I, I don't mean this all to be seen as a negative, but when we say, okay, what's the question in regards to the offense? I, I think everybody, when you go down to it, that's what it is. It's, it, it comes back to the line, but it's also the scheme and how does it, how does it impact the line? Do you remember before the spring, how concerned you were about the defense? Yes. I feel so much better about it after 15 practices than I probably could have hoped going into it. I feel incredible about the defense. And it's not just what, obviously what you saw that, that Saturday, right? Like it, <laughs> that was a good day. It was a very good day. And it's not like every day was like that. And the offense had some huge days to start things out. And I'm not totally sold on the depth, which we have talked about, but that top line unit with some of the playmakers they have I feel so much better about that unit as a group than I did going into the end of spring. And I think that is significant because I wasn't necessarily expecting that. And it's, it's not necessarily about the, the great day they had helps. Don't get me wrong. And seeing some of the guys on the field for the first time and, and maybe after an off season of conditioning and some of the new guys, like I love Jason Mitre and what he's going to bring, but it's also how they're used. That was a big question. It wasn't a concern. It was a question. What does it actually look like on the field? the defense that is, and after seeing the alignment, the different alignments, and what the the purpose of what uh, Tressel and Luke Fickle are doing with it. Yeah, I I feel incredible about the defense. And, I mean, honestly, I look at the season, I think that's the strength of the team at at this point, the ones on defense. And, yes, injuries happen. So that's something that you can't pose it as a question because we don't know how injuries will impact it, and you hope they don't, but they will. So who steps up uh, from the depth group? Some other ones I wrote down. I, let's let's hit on the punter for a second. <laughs> who Who's going to punt? That's the big question. Hopefully, again, you don't need the punter very often, but they're going to need the punter. 
They're like, po- it's it's the Big Ten. You play some pretty darn good defenses in the conference. And while the schedule is not a, not a gauntlet, you're going to need a punter. There is a guy in the portal right now, and there's no connection. I, I have no intel. A guy in the portal from Pittsburgh. His name is Sam Vanderhaar. V-A-N-D-E-R-H-A-R-R. First of all, passes the eye test. You put that name on a punter uniform, that works. Uh, he had 38.6 yards on 31 punts in 2022. If that isn't great, I'll, I'll chalk it up to the bad coverage. I, I, I don't care. I, I have not watched film. I have not looked into whether he was good or bad. I don't really care. He's six feet, 215 pounds. His hometown, Zach, Melbourne, Australia. Of course. There we go. <laughs> so I'm all in. Like, go all get in. this guy. Fix the punter position. Do you need another scholarship for it? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to the portal in a, in a little bit here, about 10 minutes. But go get this guy. Give me an Aussie punter. To just switch it all up. This is notable. How many times do you think Wisconsin punted last year? I don't know the normal punts per year. Uh, let's just say, I don't know what's good Let's just say bad. Iowa punted 83 times, <laughs> which was second in the country. Only Oklahoma State punted it more, which kind of is a bit of surprise. Yeah. I would, they probably, they run more plays, more plays in general in the Big 12. I don't know. I'd say Wisconsin punted 70 times. They punted 64 times. How many times do you think North Carolina punted? 20. 50. So it's not that. So when you, when you sit there and say, oh, they're never going to punt, and which I know is a little bit of a joke, you know, you wouldn't, you would hope that you're not punting 64 times, but you're going to punt at some point, 50 punts. That's a lot of punts. And so their punter on their punter not on this roster right now. Trying to find Iowa's total turnovers from last year. They had six of them against Ohio State. <laughs> Maybe we can get the research department on that. Yeah. But punts plus turnovers. I guess Wisconsin had its fair share of turnovers too. So yes. You want, you want the total lost turnovers? Yes. I would love it. You know who was first, right? Who was first? In t- in the fewest turnovers oh yeah it's it's freaking usc it was a joke (laughs) it was a joke and we saw it in the pac-12 title game the ball's on the ground five times they fall on every fumble it was lucky uh iowa turned it over 17 times Hmm. and six of those came in one game so 11 11 we're gonna need a usc usc turned it over seven times we're gonna need a deeper iowa discussion Later, Zach. Okay. Not today. I think the offense might be good this year. Let's chill. Entering this let's year. chill. I'm, I'm let's, talking myself let's, into let's it. Let's chill. That's a later topic. Let's chill. That's something we'll hit on uh, down the road. The other, uh, a couple other things I had written down in terms of questions, and it all plays into each other, but can any true freshman make an impact? This class that Fickle brought in was put together very quickly. It was. It's not a full year of him recruiting and a full class. That's what 2024 will be. But we already see, mentioning the cornerback room, Jonas DeClona, Jace Arnold, there. And I, you said the, the staff likes him. Hopefully they aren't starting because that means other guys get hurt. But can Amari Snowden come in and make an impact? Are there any true freshmen that can come in and, and see the field aside from special teams from the start? That's a question I would have, and, and that's something that will be answered definitively. A couple other ones. Uh, will Aaron Witt be healthy for week one? I should have put that. I, I had it at the top of the list this I should morning. Have been number one. Well, I wrote the list this morning. I did, I did see that on Twitter. So. It was at the top of my list until I put together the rest of it. Yeah. 
It was the first thing I wrote down. Will he be healthy for week one? We're, we're will, trending. Will he be healthy week one? And where does he play? That's a good question. Is 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 he the the dollar guy? Is he the guy in the line where CJ Getz and TJ Bullers are? Is, or is six six too big for that? I mean, he's like he's seven foot, and and his spin move is lethal. Yeah, seven foot as <laughs> three hundred and fifty pounds. He can do no wrong. The longer we get from him playing, which again, don't want to make light of it. it it's been a really tough road, and genuine, like I truly am rooting for him to get back on the field. But the longer we get from that really fun bowl game against Wake Forest, I think the more mythical I'll, I'll make it. You know, mm-hmm. a couple TJ Watt moves in there. Oof. If you it's if you mix Aaron Donald and TJ Watt and then put him at outside linebacker, that's what you're getting in, in Aaron Witt. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's what sources have told me. People uh, excited about it. So yeah, I I also had down. Did did the failed launch matter at all? And I think the answer is no. But not in terms of the team. In terms of outside, the forces. We're calling that a failure. Offensively, yeah. I, I mean, we entered it saying we needed to see the offense, or it would be no, great with everybody go. there. Yeah, there was no, there was no. We need to see this. Okay. Because I saw the other fourteen practices. I didn't need to see anything particular that day. What we wanted them to see, or what we wanted to see, was the offense do well because it was good. It would have been good for the feel around the team. It wasn't necessarily that's what I needed to see or what you needed to see. You're right. I wanted to see it. Yes. But the offense crash landing during the launch. The first first team offense crash landing. Does that matter? And I think the answer is no. But in terms of the outside forces on the team, come come season, everybody will be all in. But how much does it matter, if at all? Again, I think the answer is no. But that's a question. And that's that's all I had. Aside from other minuscule positions in the defensive depth up front, which I mentioned part of the Darian Varner conversation. There's there's still a lot to be answered. While, while I think it was a, a productive spring in terms of what we, the outsiders, learned, there's a lot still up in the air as we enter the summer and get closer to the season, which is now, I think, less than 120 days away. There's some accounts on online doing some countdowns. Excitement. As, as if you don't have one right on your on your screen right there. No. No, I don't. I have my document with what we're talking about today. I have Twitter, and I have the transfer portal, which I'm refreshing, and that's what we're going to talk about Constantly. next. The, the portal window is technically closed, but there are some more guys trickling in. Another Badger entered the portal a couple of days ago. We will react to it, talk about what's to come for the team uh, as we go into the summer with the portal. That's coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprint. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back, Kenny and Heilprin. Taking you up until 7 o'clock. Badger Spring Ball uh, has concluded. We now enter the dog days of summer where we get to litigate the very classic offseason discussion, Zach, including should. College football expand the playoff. Are you going to miss the Big Ten West? Will Iowa score points? Things of that nature. Think, things of that nature. Things that keep Ben up at night. Yeah. I have a, I, <laughs> we'll talk about it in 10 minutes. I, I was getting sad about the Big Ten West yesterday. The historic Big Ten West. Yeah. In my eyes. Um, transfer portal. So the window closed for the spring portal entrance. That was uh, May 1st, I believe, was... The closing day, April 30th, was the last day. 
And there's still some that I guess have entered that are trickling in. So it's not totally finished, but pretty much guys that are in the portal can still find new schools, but nobody can enter it now, which I do like the portal windows. I will say better than just a free flowing stream of, of crap. That'd be Um, impossible. It would, it it would be completely impossible for coaches to be recruiting 24 seven. You almost already, already like the basketball, you essentially are at this point, but right. Football, oof. Yeah, planning for the future, knowing whether you need to go recruit a high schooler because your starting corner just left in the portal and you had no idea he would. Yeah, the the finality I do think is productive, albeit there are some things with the recruiting calendar that could be fixed, but that is deep into the weeds. Wisconsin quarterback Marshall Howe did enter the portal. Good piece in The Athletic, Jesse Temple. An exit interview uh, with Howe and what went into his decision. I urge everyone to read it. How was a walk-on? He was the fourth quarterback on the depth chart? No. He was the third quarterback on the depth chart. <laughs> yes. He was He was obviously low enough where he wasn't going to play, but... Unless two guys got hurt. Yes. Uh, him and him and Burkett and Evers were in that group. Uh, you saw him on the field during the launch, but he enters the portal uh, likely looking for a place where he would have more path to playing. The question is, what does this bring up in terms of scholarships that are still needed for them to get down to the limit? Because if I'm being honest, like we talked on Thursday about the corners that had entered, Corey Lyde, Al Ashford, and Avion Jones. You also have Calvaruso, uh, the kicker, Spencer Lytle, Julius Davis, Chase Wolf, and that's going back until February. I was surprised they didn't have more guys enter. That we know of. That we know of. When it comes to trimming the roster down a bit, when it comes to the the portal guys that will be brought in inevitably this summer, a corner first and then hopefully a punter yeah, and hopefully some other guys. But I was like Marshall Howe enters and I, I was surprised there weren't more, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, based on what is public, they're at 86, which is one over the, the limit. But included in that is Marcus Allen. And mm. so, yes, um, they're, yeah. at 80, they're at 85. <laughs> we won't get, I don't know if we want to get into that now. Or we can get into that later. I mean, I'll just, uh, according to reports from uh, CBS, the CBS television station here in Madison, uh, Marcus Allen was arrested at the Mifflin block party this weekend. And there is a report he had a stolen gun. And that so, is, I don't know anything more. That is what has been reported by well, News 3 Now, Channel 3000. So they had a press conference yesterday downtown about it. Um, and it was confirmed that the gun that was found in his backpack was stolen. And so where it was stolen from, how the, the circumstances around that, not, that information wasn't released, but he is facing a charge of carrying a, a, a concealed weapon while intoxicated. So um, we'll see how, how I believe, I don't, I, I don't want to get too far into it. No, right? I so, would just, it is, uh, I think it is safe to say going forward that, he will not be yes. on the team. Yeah. So right now, I think that is a safe assumption. Right now, I would say eighty-five. Um, but, but that's not including the guys that are going to be brought in, which is correct. What, that was the surprising part to me. Correct. So I think that there may be some guys that are not on scholarship anymore that were on scholarship. What Wisconsin is doing nil-wise has the ability to make up for scholarship for with walk-ons. We we know this. That's a good point. Um, so there that's are, a really good point. I, there either there are either guys that aren't with the team anymore that we haven't heard about yet, or this is how they're they're filling that 
um, that hold, which again they can do. Yeah, that's a. I, I didn't even think about that. I I figured there would be some that maybe stuck around if they didn't have a scholarship. Did not think about how NIL played in. I mean, so, again, there are, there are a number of guys that started as walk-ons that are now on scholarship, and you look at them and be like, do they really need a scholarship? <laughs> um, can, can we help them out in in a different way, kind of like they are doing with Isaac Lindsay on the basketball team, where he had a scholarship this year, he doesn't have a scholarship going forward, you know, and Carter Gilmore was not going to have one. Uh, when Noah Reynolds was here, and now obviously he will because Noah Reynolds isn't here, assuming they don't get another big. But that's the that's the type of stuff that NIL is going to allow them to do um, and, and to boost their walk-on program and, and you know, kind of make up for not having a scholarship available. I saw some interesting takes, by the way, with Reynolds committing to play for his brother, I guess, at UW-Green Bay. Well, and the assistant that was, or the uh, the Wyoming guy. Yeah, that uh, I, I saw some takes out there by some that are up in that region, in the Green Bay area, that this is a, a big coup, a, a, big, a, a big example of the new coach up there stealing a commit from guard, Yikes. which I thought was odd. Um, so that's I don't there. I don't see that. I don't see that. I think this is a I think this is a pretty good uh, indication. It's a one off kid. He turned down not only NIL at Wisconsin, but he turned down NIL from a whole bunch of like a, several other Big Ten schools that were going to pay him a lot to go up there and be with his brother. So I don't. Yeah, it feels pretty cotton dry. But I saw that out there. Well, that, again, UW Green Bay doesn't necessarily have a ton of people that follow college basketball. No, no, no. Um, in terms of football, though, and March. And, and yeah, this is, I've been a broken record about this, but when, when all the coaching changes happened and it, even with fickle coming in and bringing a lot of guys with him, whether it's from other programs or from Cincinnati and, and just the overall shift in what the program is at its heart, Wisconsin, that is, I I'm still surprised that there have not been more maybe notable guys to even go. And playing time pay, plays a, a huge role in that. But you even see, like, go over to some of the other great programs in the country, you see them lose some legitimate contributors. They maybe want a, if it's not a rotational job, they want a full-time starting job. We saw that with Georgia, with Bear Alexander, transfers to USC. I am surprised at how little turnover at the top of the depth chart there's been. Well, where would they, I mean, like, where would you think that guys would leave from like me personally? I thought a wide receiver or two would leave. Exactly. Like that's, that, that, that would be someplace. I, I thought maybe that's where I'd look at offensive line where that as well. If it feels, you know, kind of set further down the depth chart on the defensive line. Yes. Outside linebacker, even mm-hmm. some of the older guys that well, Spencer Lytle went and I know he was outside inside type of thing, but like, who's the older guys there? Caden Johnson. Uh, going to play. Right, going to play, but I, I just mean in general, I'm surprised. Like, I, I think it is an exception to the general rule in, in the sport right now that Wisconsin has kept every single one of their top-of-the-line depth chart guys in addition to adding a lot there. When I, I wonder if they lose more guys next year after, after a year. Th- that said, you look at some of the other programs in the Big Ten that have had uh, established coaches and, and the number of guys that they have lost. Um, me personally, I think it has a lot to do with the coach. Uh, that they want to get away from, but like up in Minnesota, they had like 17 or 18 guys <laughs> leave, right? They had like 17 yep. or 18 guys in the portal. That's that's a large number for an established coach like 
P.J. Fleck. Tough hit to... Who, who every, desperately everybody wants to play for. <laughs> tough hit to my ego, by the way. Uh, Jack Cohn's at a rookie minicamp with the Jets and the Seahawks, by the way. But Tanner Morgan got signed as an undrafted free agent. Well, so I was, did, I was, so Jack, flo- I was floored when Sean Clifford was drafted by the Packers. So did Jack Cohn, though, right? No. He, he got signed as an undrafted oh, free agent. Oh, he did. Yeah, you're right. By the Colts. I thought he was only as a, as a minicamp guy. Nope. Last right. year, he, him, him and Tanner Morgan on the same level. Okay. Ego back intact. At even a, though that's kind of. At a, at a level much lower, however, <laughs> than Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford, fifth-round so, pick. It's ridiculous. Uh, I went back and found a tweet of yours from, from last fall. It said, Sean Clifford, no chance he ever gets drafted. Did I, I actually I, tweet that? I, I didn't want to send it out because I felt send it. To I, me. Felt, I felt a little off about it. I'll send it no, to no, you. No, no, no. Even retweet that. that. That plays into what I'm trying to say. He stinks. Yeah, I, mean, it's, but he, I mean, it's a tough look for you because you did the whole Jack Cohn is going to get drafted, and now you did the whole Sean Clifford isn't going to get drafted, and now, you know. Yikes. Third time is hopefully going to be the charm for me. I, I will say when, it, when you look at a lot of the guys that did get signed, look back at the Big Ten last year, the Big Ten West even, because Tommy DeVito from Illinois got signed, AOC was drafted, which – Hopefully Jim Leonard does not take an NFL DC job. Otherwise AOC might be okay. I'll be honest. I'm shocked that John Torchio didn't get like actually signed as an undrafted free agent. He has to go and, and be in a, in a workout similar to Jack Cohn he has to go and work out. He's with the jets. And I think he's got another one maybe with the, the uh, it's another team. I can't remember what it is. That was surprising, but so. I, some of the, the, there was a lot more quarterback movement from the big 10 even the big 10 west to the nfl and i looked at the numbers and i i just had a feeling throughout the weekend at the nfl draft that a lot more big 10 west guys went than normal and i did not check with previous years because why would i do that i'm just going to keep my keep my gut feeling keep my take and run with it 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 felt like there was more talent in the division I, i mean some of them are from northwestern who won one game which helps they had a couple draft picks Right. <laughs> and in a first rounder and, and Iowa had a bunch of draft picks, even though their offense was pathetic. So yes, that doesn't mean the teams were better, but a surprising amount of talent in the big 10 West. That's why it was so competitive last year. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, it was, there was some tough watching. Speaking of the big 10 West, uh, let's do this. When we come back, I was thinking about the imminent death of the West recently. I was getting kind of sad about it. And then we also got some headlines regarding the college football playoffs. So when we come back, I want to touch on that. There are things that are irritating me with the college football world. We'll tell you what they are. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back. Kenny and Heilprin. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin, obviously the show up in podcast form shortly thereafter, Tuesday, Thursday, six to seven, all of your off season. Now Badger talk counting the spring is partially in season. We are now in the dog days of waiting for the college football season and college basketball news to go to the top of the to-do list. There was a headline though, Zach, and this is classic college football off season. And I, good on college football, staying on top of the news cycle for at least those that care. The college football playoff committee is expanding the playoff from four to 12. It will include the sixth highest ranked conference champions. It will include six at large teams 
This is for 2024. 2023 is the last year of college football as we've experienced it from the beginning of the playoff era, 2014, to uh, 10 years. And then it also will likely be the final year of the Big Ten West, which is a sad day, a sad, sad day. Wisconsin's chances of winning the Big Ten go down significantly when that division is eradicated, which I'm sad about, admittedly. The the historic Big Ten West. I feel like you need to throw that in front of everything that you say about the Big Ten West because the his, you make I it, like it. You make it seem like it's been here forever. It hasn't, and it's been here for eight years. But I like it. Here's the thing: I'm petrified of what's going to happen after the West is gone and USC and UCLA join. I'm petrified of how much tougher it'll be to win the Big Ten. To be honest, like and I'm yet, just scared. And yet, does like college basketball? It's going to become irrelevant who wins the big 10 what the big 10 it's going to become irrelevant uh, that which, plays which, right which, into what i think which you hate that sucks which you hate i get that, that i sucks. understand that but like if it doesn't matter then you shouldn't care as much correct i want it to matter uh, there we go okay. maybe that's the root of it yeah so i uh, this was put out the schedule of the first expanded playoff in 2024 was released recently the first round games will be on campus that is the one thing in all of this I am very excited for and I think is cool. The quarterfinals will be at bowl sites, which I think is stupid. Just play those on campus too. Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl. This is just all, how do we make the most money? The semifinal games are also at bowl sites, the Orange and the Cotton. And they are on Thursday and Friday night, which I think is stupid. Uh, Can you imagine it, getting to go multiple bowl games? Like the the kids, the, the kids going into those... Um, gift rooms like where you get to go and like get all a bunch of gifts from the bowls oh it's good for them the team that runs this thing that goes that run like gets all the way to the finals whoo the gift suite they're gonna be able to just and all that stuff is gonna get sold but it's gonna be amazing they already have a lot of nil money you figure yes, but when it comes to that some of the kids down at the end of it do not have a lot of nil money and so to, to grab oh that'd be amazing it would uh, and then the finals at the normal final location i zach I just see all this stuff that comes out and I small things within the larger picture of the expansion, six auto bids for conference champions in four years. Is there going to be a PAC 12? Is the PAC 12 going to be San Diego state Boise state? Every team in the, in the upper uh, Northwest. And then just all the good teams are on the big 10 and the sec I, auto bids. Number one, don't like just, I, it's not the best way. If we really want to talk about the most fair way of crowning a national champion, giving auto bids to crap conferences is not really a productive way to achieve that, let alone first-round buys for some of them. I mean, you're well, that's the thing. I don't know how many of those are going to end up being first-round buys. Like it's, it, the conference champions of the Big Ten and the SEC obviously will get them, right? Probably the ACC. And then, yeah, meh. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. The bracket was released if last year looked like the playoff as it's going to be. Yep. With uh, Penn State at Ohio State in the first week. It's like, oh, okay, what do I imagine Wisconsin being in the future? Last year's Penn State is, I think, a year that Wisconsin could have a lot. It's win every game they play except for against two top two teams in the country or two top five teams, which in all, it's not a bad year. Losing two Event, I mean, Ohio State probably could have won a national title, but but losing to Ohio State and Michigan when they're both in the top three in the nation, nothing to be ashamed of at all. 
Right. So that's kind of what I picture Wisconsin to be some years. Hopefully you get better years from that. Looking at this, though, Kansas State, Tennessee. Hell, yeah, give me some of that. No, give, the games. Give me even more of that. Tulane at TCU. No, I'm in on the games. Oof. Okay, I'm going to watch the games. The games are going to be fun. But I, I just am not behind this happening. And then, as you said previously, completely devaluing everything else that happens before. And yet, college football is about rivalries. Those are still going to matter. Are they not? College football is about the pageantry. To a certain extent. About everything that happens around the game, especially in Madison. It's about what happens around the game. Nothing screams pageantry like playing more games in NFL arenas. Right? What do you mean NFL arenas? Like, they go to all the bowl sites. Uh, Sugar bowls and the... Do they not play those bowls every single year and have for how long? They're much... Those bowls are much older than your your fabled Big Ten West. But I would like... All the games, if you're going to do it, I would like them to be on I campus or a maximum I, I, of them. I agree campus. with that. But they, the, the, the only way this was ever going to happen was if you're going to still include the Bulls. Because the Bulls structure and the money that's involved in the Bulls structure is just way too important to, to throw away. So it was always, that was always going to be happening. I completely agree with you. Those first-round games are going to be absolutely electric. They're going to be amazing. Yes. They're going to be amazing. They're yep. going to be on December 20th and 21st. I'm confident in saying that in Luke Fickle's time in Madison, the Badgers will host a college football playoff game, if not more than that. But just to start, like, like they will host these games. We just don't know when. That will happen down the road. I'm really excited for that. So that's got to be a top eight team in the country. Which Wisconsin could definitely reach. Now, I was looking at a, a top 25, a projected top 25 for this year. And this is what petrifies me. This is where negative Kenny comes in as we get Every, to the end of the show. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. I know the reviews are always negative, but that's fine. Sometimes I'm negative. That's just how I I look at the sport sometimes. Early top 25 for next year. Michigan, number two. Penn State, number four. Ohio State, number six. USC, number 10. (laughs) Iowa's number 14, which is a bunch of BS. Could be another discussion. Wisconsin's number 25. Take Iowa out of that. That's not a a significant part of of the message. It it should be a, a peak year for Penn State, like better than they've had, at least a lot of people think so. But generally speaking, we could go into seasons with Wisconsin even being where they've been, 18 in the country, 15 in the country. That's that's a really steady place the Badgers have lived before COVID. Yet you have four top 10 teams in the country in your conference. All I'm of, petrified of, of finding a path to winning the conference, number one. Number two, to a high seed in the playoff with that gauntlet ahead of them. Again, do you think they're going to be playing those teams every single year? No, but the standings just reflect who is the best win-loss record. Of course they do. And so if you get uh, a schedule where you do not play all four of those teams, which is going to happen quite a bit. They'll probably play two a year. Yeah, exactly like they do now. This year they play one, but yes. Most years they play two, which is not going to change. You're so scared of the schedule. It's just hilarious as if the there's not 15, There's if there's not what, 10 other teams that there's a potential they could play on a, on a yearly basis, or 11 teams they could play on a yearly basis. I, no, let's, it'll let's, get them let's into see, the let's, playoffs. Let's see how it plays out before we start freaking out about the schedule and having to see all four of those teams on a, every, on, on a yearly basis. Because that's kind of what you sound like, even though I know that's not what you mean. No, it'll get them into the playoff. I, I mean more in terms of them winning the Big Ten. Here's the other thing. Uh, all of those teams have had downturns in the last decade outside of Ohio State. Yep. All of them. USC was 
could not figure things out. Penn State, obviously, since James Franklin has taken over, has been okay. But they even had a, a season a couple years ago that was really, really bad uh, for their standards. Michigan, pff, come on now. Ohio State's the only one that's been able to, to stay at that level. And you can see them, maybe not recruiting-wise, but you can see them on the field kind of going the other way and, and not still going to its level. So I, I think worrying about those four teams just because of what they look like this year, it doesn't matter. Big Ten West does not ex- The Big Ten West still exists this year. Worry about this year. You don't know what next year is going to look I'm like. You don't, know what the year, year. you don't know what the next year after is going to look like. Sure, I'm, but I'm I'm somewhat petrified of what the college football landscape looks like. Oh, stop five being, years down the road. Stop being petrified about something that's, that's supposed to be enjoyable. I well, it's supposed to be enjoyable, but I don't think the delivery is going to be exactly what everybody thought it was going to look like. Yeah, the games are going to be cool in the playoff. <laughs> Which awesome. is the point. That's the point for people that only watch playoff games. That's my whole point. Okay, then you go you know, back do you think, to... Do you think Wisconsin and Minnesota is going to be less? Uh, no. no. No, I don't. Okay. But well, that's losses, what I mean. All right. All right. We are, we are woefully late for a break. We're up against it. We'll step away. We'll close it out next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, Kenny and Heilprin, we're back. We will, uh, at a future date... We will we will expand upon this further when it comes to the future of the sport and, and playoff and, and some of my frights. Maybe it's therapy for me, Zach. Maybe it's something that, that's productive. Maybe and, maybe we sit down and we talk about where these fears are coming from. Yeah. And I, I won't charge you a thing. That'll help. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where they're coming from. I just know what they are. You've, so. been, you've, been, you've been harmed. You've been harmed at an earlier age. I've been consistent, though. I hate it all. Yeah, you don't like change. I hate change. Change is not good. I hate change. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back Thursday. More Badger discussion to come. Podcast up after the show. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. See you.